When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 36. Today's episode is all about the gratitude formula for success. What I found is that if we did some things on a repetitive basis, the same kind of success would occur. And what that really told me was that success was simply a system. It wasn't a secret. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. First off, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can get all of your favorite podcasts. It has a super clean layout and you can create playlists and download episodes to play offline. It's my personal favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. Don't worry, you can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Today's episode is really inspiring, especially for us entrepreneurs and business-minded people out there, but really for anyone with goals, hopefully all of us, right? If you haven't felt successful before, success can feel impossible, like other people were given a secret that the rest of us are missing. But our guest today says that success is a system, not a secret. Today we talk to Mae McCarthy. And since 1982, she's co-founded and grown seven successful companies in multiple industries to as large as 250 employees with over $100 million in annual revenues. But with all of her success, she doesn't take credit for it alone. She knows that it's something greater outside of herself. So today, May lays out some practical steps that you can put to use every single day to achieve success in your relationships, career, finances, health, personal goals, spiritual growth, and really any other aspect of your life. Now she's an author, professional speaker, and executive consultant, traveling the world helping people raise those prosperity vibes. Three key things we will learn are how to choose goals that are right for you, how to use forgiveness to open yourself up to receiving more of what you want, and a practical seven-step method for creating wealth and success or anything else you desire. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power so you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. To sign up, visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the Miracle Tone, which is known to help attract love, health, and abundance into your life. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. 
So be sure to head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Mae McCarthy to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been going through your book, The Gratitude Formula, and there's just so many good things in it. What originally inspired you to write this book? I have been traveling around the world as a professional speaker and author of a first book called The Path to Wealth. And many of the people that had been using the principles in The Path to Wealth had been so excited. They were able to manifest goals and feel a sense of peace and happiness and even better well-being for the goals that they believed were possible. But for those really big, hairy, audacious goals, ones that they were either really different than anything they've experienced before or bigger than anything they've experienced before, they were really struggling to use the same principles. So I wrote the gratitude formula primarily to help not only first-time readers of my work, but also those people that needed to shift their beliefs to possibility before they could achieve their goals. You know, it's really difficult for us to achieve anything if we don't believe it's possible. I totally understand that. So much of manifesting has to do with feeling into the feelings of already having something. And if those feelings are so far off base from anything you've ever felt before, it's hard to know what to tap into. Yeah, and in my work, one of the things that I ask people to do is partner with this characteristic of spirit that's an ultimate advisor. And we all have that ability to receive those intuitive messages. Very, very famous people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Oprah Winfrey and and many others have said that they all rely on intuition as a tool for success. And so do I. But many of us don't recognize it until after the fact. And so what I found was that our brains end up putting those intuitive messages on mute in order to try and protect us if it doesn't believe that we believe it's possible to have those things. Our brains remember every single time that we've had a huge goal and didn't achieve it and how disappointed we were. And because it loves us, it wants to protect us. So it's going to put those intuitive messages on mute as an effort to protect us until we have shifted our beliefs to possibility And once we get to that point where we believe something is possible, then the floodgates of intuition and and signs and messages show up to point us in the right direction. This characteristic of spirit that's an ultimate advisor. Some people I know call this God, spirit, universe, source. For me, after falling away from the religion that I was raised with, I had a hard time even saying the word God. And so I'm more comfortable calling it universe. And recently it's been evolving to spirit and more spiritual words. But why is it important to recognize and name this force? And does it matter what people call it? I don't really care what people call it. But somehow every one of us has experienced intuition. Many of us don't recognize it until after the fact. You know, something will happen and we'll say, oh, my God, my gut was trying to tell me not to do that or my gut was telling me to do that. And if I had, I would have experienced this good outcome. So all of us have experienced intuition. And what I ask people to do is name, you know, give that source of intuition 
a, a name, a title. Some people do feel comfortable calling it God, and that's just fine. Other people call it spirit, universe, love, truth, power. I have one friend that calls it soy, which stands for source of intuition. And even some have called it Fred or, or Harry. It doesn't really matter what it's called. It doesn't negate the fact that we all have access to it. What I teach is an ability for people to use some tools to enable intuition and their subconscious to show up more often in more obvious ways to guide them to whatever it is that they're putting their attention on. The name that you give your intuition is CSO or Chief Spiritual Officer. Where did you come up with that? I gave it a title because as a CEO in companies, I surround myself with people whose advice I value. I have a chief financial officer, a chief information officer, chief marketing officer, and so on. And these are all subject matter experts that know a whole lot more than I do about their areas of expertise. And what I decided was that I knew there was a source for this intelligence, this, this intelligence that goes beyond the rational mind. I mean, Albert Einstein wrote about it. Thomas Edison employed it when he invented the light bulb. And I mean, lots and lots of very successful people that are supposed to be examples for us rather than exceptions have said that they've used intuition as a tool for success. So I know it exists. I've experienced that it exists and there must be a source for it. And rather than come up with a name for that source, I decided to just give it a title. So I brought it into my C-suite and I call it the CSO or Chief Spiritual Officer. And I believe that it has advice for me that, like I said, goes well beyond rational understanding, but will always point me in the direction of where I'm putting my words, thoughts and emotions. So if I'm using time every single day to program my brain for success, where I put my goals and my design for the life that I want to live as the first and most important thing, first thing in the morning, then this CSO guidance will show up all day long to point me in the right direction. I love that because it's not a title that people will have any heavier feelings towards. So it kind of counters that separation some people might feel with the word God or spirit, depending on their relationship with those words. Plus, if you're in the business world, you're probably used to putting your trust in these chief positions. So relating spirit to a job that I trust feels like it would totally open up my willingness to let it guide me. Yeah, I like it too. It works for me. But again, people can call it whatever they want. I have lots and lots of students who have come to my workshops that actually call it divine intelligence or universe or, um, you know, Holy Spirit, um, whatever, whatever name represents an ultimate advisor characteristic, an ultimate advisor that knows way more than you do about everything. That's that's the title or name that you should use. And CSO works for me. You have built several really successful businesses using your intuition. Tell me about your businesses. Since 1982, I have built seven different companies. Many of them have been multi-million dollar technology companies. My largest was over a hundred million in annual revenues. 
And what I know about business success is that we always have to have goals and we have to be projecting what our future looks like if we achieve our goals. So constantly, and and many of your listeners, I'm sure, work for businesses or maybe they even own their own, but often you'll have managers and directors and owners of companies that are describing what next quarter looks like, what next year looks like, what the end of this month looks like. We're always projecting what the future is going to look like. And I learned when I was 19 in my first business that as I used gratitude to celebrate every time we'd reach a goal, every time we'd reach a projection with great success, I, of course, would be excited and celebrate and jump up and down and and my partners would be excited and our employees would be excited. And then I thought, wow, you know, I'm getting pretty good at projecting. I can estimate what our future is going to look like in terms of sales. Why don't I just be grateful for having achieved it in advance and see what happens? So I started experimenting with being grateful for achieving the projections before we even got there. And I was led through intuition and subconscious messaging to do some things that were pretty innovative and creative that I had no experience with that ensured that all of us did, in fact, choose to take action that would produce the results that we wanted. So I kind of got a clue at that early age in early in my businesses to use gratitude as a magnetizing force along with projections and being grateful for what I wanted in advance. And it seemed to work pretty well and has worked in all of my businesses. How did you first come to that conclusion? Nowadays, it's more common to hear about gratitude and manifesting, but these words seem to come to you before their time or this trend when these topics are more popular. Well, you know, it was it was sort of an experiment. As I described, I got very, very excited. I mean, I would study for a test in college and, and I would think about you know, getting an A or, or getting a good grade or, or passing the course or completing my degree with honors in three years. And I'd, I'd get excited about that. And that would be my goal. And as I started to prove in business that I could be grateful in advance for achieving my sales projections or the growth of my company, I started to apply it to other areas of my life as well, including finishing my degree in three years with honors and making it really easy, having a nice boyfriend that was low drama and low maintenance and, um, and, and good health and things like that. And, and sure enough, What would happen when I would be grateful for having achieved something in advance as though I already achieved it, intuitive messages to take steps, like to go somewhere or to call someone or to do something would would show up. I'd I'd get a strong thought. I'd um, have an intuitive gut instinct to go somewhere. I would hear a message from somebody else that really resonated with me, or I'd just have a Um, an awareness that this is the right thing to do. All of these signs and messages and things would be more obvious to me. And they were in alignment with my taking steps to achieve my goals. And so that's really what I teach 
which is I boiled it down since 1982 with lots of experimenting on my own and teaching my hundreds of employees how to be grateful for achieving their goals in advance. Um, And what I found is that if we did some things on a repetitive basis, that the same kind of success would occur. And what that really told me was that success was simply a system. It wasn't a secret reserved for only a few. It was a system that we could use repetitively. Now, the key to this system is that you figure out what it is that you want first and be grateful for receiving it in advance rather than picking up your mobile device or turning on the news and and being programmed with what everybody else thinks is important for you. You need to decide what you want your life to look like. You want to create the life that you love instead of allowing other people to program your subconscious and create your life for you. That's so true, but also so difficult to do. Even just checking social media right when you get out of bed, suddenly you're flooded with everybody else's emotions and what they think is important. And then before 8 a.m., you've already worried about climate change, animal abuse, women's rights. And it's not just stressful, it's exhausting. Yeah, I'm a big believer in changing your settings on your phone (laughs) so that you don't have those messages pop up on your screen that you actually have to set aside time deliberately every day for that kind of information and entertainment. But to have it just pop up and command your attention, you know, it's an addiction. It's something that you just get in the habit of doing. And what I'm asking people to do is to create a different habit. Create a habit of creating the life that you love. Create a habit of orchestrating and designing the life that you want to live. Create a habit of a peaceful, healthy, happy, prosperous, hugely and overflowingly abundant life that is filled with all that you desire rather than a habit of wasting time on what other people want you to pay attention to. That's something I very much tried to live by. I've turned off notifications for all social media. I've deleted social media apps even, but then re-downloaded them and justified it because it helps me connect with my audience, and I not so secretly love them. So it's definitely an addiction that I'm working through. It's a work in progress, I'll say. Yeah, and so what you could do is you could um, just mandate that, uh, you know, a lot of us, because we use cell phones, we allow access on our cell phones to Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all that good stuff, right? Well, what if you just change the setting that the only time that you can access those things is when you're actually connected to the internet? Not your cell cell data, but when you're actually close to your internet connection and you set aside time, you know, maybe you, during lunch, you look at that or three times a day versus every time a notification pops up. That Wi-Fi tip is great. I took a goal-setting course that had me set an alarm for three times during the day that I was allowed to check social media. And I have to say, the days I actually stick to that, I feel so much more productive and get so much more done. But I want to go back to your relationship with your CSO. What's an example of when and how the CSO has guided you? 
in uh, my last company, I was thanking my CSO every single day for a minimum or more of $400,000 in revenue to reach some different goals that we had for growth, you know, to grow our business, to serve our customers in great ways, to add staffing and to um, help our suppliers flourish and prosper by being able to order more products from them and that sort of thing. So every day, my CSO meeting, in addition to all my other goals, I have this goal that I'm grateful for, which is a minimum or more of $400,000. And I travel an awful lot, especially when I'm starting a new company, because you have to do so many different jobs when you're a startup. And so I happen to be in Cleveland to call on one of our first and largest customers. I got off the plane, got my bags, got my rental car, went to the hotel, dropped everything off. And then I have a routine where I hop back into the car and I go to the closest grocery store that sells protein shakes and water and things like that that I need for my stay. And I've been to Cleveland before, so I know where the closest grocery store is, which is five minutes away. So I'm getting ready to go there and I have this very strong thought that is almost a picture of a grocery store that I know is 15 minutes away. And that doesn't make any sense. And my rational mind tried to tell me that doesn't make sense. And it was essentially telling me, May, you know, it's nine o'clock at night. You shouldn't be driving across town in Cleveland. Your appointment's at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, which is really five o'clock in the morning, Seattle time. You're going to be way too tired. Just go to the closest grocery store. And in my past, I would have listened to my rational mind because it was making perfect sense. But in this practice, you figuratively stomp your foot and say, hey, CSO, if that thought was from you, give me another lead. Give me another sign. Give me some confirming message that I should make the drive to the other grocery store. What that does when you ask for another lead is it quiets your rational mind. And it allows the intuitive mind that Albert Einstein talked about to chime in, and mine did. So mine said, you know, it's true, it's 9 o'clock at night here, but it's only 6 o'clock in Seattle. It's too early for you to go to sleep anyway. And who knows, maybe everything you want will be on sale at the other store. Just make the drive. So I did. As I'm walking into the grocery store, there was a guy who I recognized walking out at exactly the same time. He represented a giant potential customer who I had met six months before at a trade show. He was not returning any of my phone calls or emails for an appointment. And here we are face to face. So we strike up this conversation and he asks about the growth of our company and he wants to know who I'm in town to see. And I have told him about, you know, one of my customers as well as a potential customer. And he said, look, while you're here in town, why don't you come make a presentation to our group? Well, that led to another presentation and another presentation and eventually a contract worth over $400,000. Oh, wow. So the idea of this practice is that it goes beyond rational understanding. No one that I've ever gone to business school with would say that the first step that they would take in achieving a goal would be to drive across town at nine o'clock at night in Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why we have all these wonderful stories in sacred texts like the Bible and the Quran and the Torah and and other spiritual writers like Louise Hay and Catherine Ponder and whatnot is to remind us that there is an intelligence 
that is beyond our rational understanding. Our rational understanding is simply based on our experience and what we've learned. But there's a whole bunch more connection in this universe, a whole a, a greater intelligence that's available to us if we're willing to allow it to operate. So I uh, was grateful. And that's just one of dozens and dozens of stories in my books. This stuff works. Developing my intuition is something I have been focusing on the most lately. I realized just how out of touch I was with my intuition, with the signals my body sends me and just really loud mental chatter for such a long time. Between my eight-year battle with bulimia or 10 years of taking Adderall or drinking heavily or party drugs, trying to hear subtle cues of intuition over top of all this is like blasting music over a loudspeaker and expecting to hear a really faint whisper. You can't selectively numb, so you just have to know if you're numbing anything, you're numbing everything. So especially in the last year and through the guests on this podcast, I've been really focusing on this. And I have to say that the more I just dedicate that time and show up for it, I can feel the progress. I started trying to not have any expectations because I didn't want to get discouraged and I honestly couldn't really feel it at first. But now, over time, it feels like these parts of my consciousness are unlocking. My meditation's deeper, it feels more expansive, and I'm starting to get these signals that feel more obvious. Like learning a language. You don't even know what to listen for at first. It all sounds like gibberish, but then you start to understand one word at a time. And now, as I improve, it's becoming so exciting. Right. And cut yourself a little bit of slack because so much of today's society, when we want something, it's immediately available. I mean, I can go on Amazon right this moment and have something at my door for delivery today. We have gotten so accustomed to to making a decision about having something and then immediately getting it. But think about the things that you learned to do in the past. For instance, do you remember learning how to ride a bike? or learning how to read, or learning how to drive a car. You were not an expert the moment that you made a choice to do that. You had to put in some repetitive practice. You had to see some examples that other people were achieving the thing that you want to achieve so that you knew that it was possible. So you had to make what you wanted familiar by seeing that others were already able to do it. And you had to put in repetitive effort, mental and physical, in order to achieve it. Now, can't you drive home from work or drive home from someplace that you go on a regular basis and not remember huge parts of your drive home? Well, yes. The idea of mindless driving makes me a little bit nervous, but I've always gotten home safe. Exactly, because you've mastered the situation. You know, one of my very favorite teachers is a woman. Her name is Florence Scovel Shin, and she wrote a book in 1925 called The Game of Life. And she said that through repetition, we impress our subconscious and then become masters of every situation. And that's what I try to point out in the gratitude formula is that success is a system and everyone has already proved how powerful they are when they learn to do those things like read and ride a bike and drive a car and type on that crazy keyboard that's not even in alphabetical order. 
now I know people that can type faster than I can talk because they've mastered the situation, but they didn't know how to do that the first time that they tried it. So bravo to you for hanging in there and really, really putting in the time and effort to connect to that source, whatever you want to call it, it has the intelligence available to be able to guide you to achieving whatever it is that you want. But patience and repetition and making what you want familiar and welcome so that your beliefs are shifted into possibility are the key. We're going to learn the specific seven-step formula that May used to become massively wealthy right after I tell you about our awesome sponsors. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now for another episode of lies we've been told about our health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. 
Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Okay, so now I'm so excited to get into these steps of the gratitude formula. Where do we start? Well, the first step is to use a daily practice, okay? And I write about also, interestingly enough, a seven-step daily practice (laughs) that you can use, which has a morning, a daytime, and an evening practice. So that's the first thing, is to use a daily practice to have a goal planning session with your source of intuition and with your inner self. The second step is to create and use powerful goal statements with gratitude to attract your desires. So wording your goals is really, really important. You know, so often I will hear people say things like, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to get out of debt. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. It's something I've definitely used in the past. Okay. Well, think about that goal for a minute. If the goal is to be wanting to lose 10 pounds or to be wanting to get out of debt, haven't they already achieved their goal? Aren't they already wanting? You're right. Wanting isn't a goal at all. Right. So what you have to do with this practice in order to enable your subconscious and intuition to help you, you have to be grateful in advance for it being done. So you might say, I'm so grateful that I am now physically fit, trim, toned, energetic in a healthy body that is easily able to move through life in a pain-free and light way. I love going on hikes and walks with my family and friends and we have a great time. Or I'm so grateful that I'm financially free with an abundance of a minimum or more of X number of dollars to easily afford all of my living, giving and entertainment expenses and more. You see the difference? Yes. Even just speaking them, you can feel the difference. The first example, wanting to lose 10 pounds, you're right. The goal being to want something has technically already been accomplished, so it puts the focus on the wrong thing. But on top of that, the whole focus is on the lack, on what you haven't yet achieved. You're being reminded every time you speak this goal. But the other example... I am physically fit and energetic in a healthy and toned body. I can feel that higher vibration. Even if I don't fully believe what I'm saying yet, I can feel what it would be like to already have it. It forces my mind to picture it. And that feeling is always the first step to manifesting any of your desires. Exactly. And another mistake that people make often is they talk about what they don't want. I don't want to be in debt anymore. And here's the thing about your subconscious. Your subconscious doesn't understand those negatives. So all it focuses on is the picture of being in debt. And that's where you'll stay. So you have to describe it as though it's already done with gratitude. And that will attract your desires to you. The third step is to choose goals that are right for you, not goals that other people have for you. And what I mean by that is that If it's obviously if it's required for your job or your position in life as a parent or a spouse, 
then, you know, you have to figure out whether or not it's required. And if it is, then start proclaiming your gratitude that it be joyful and easy, (laughs) whatever it is that you're supposed to do. But so often people get caught up in this idea that they love to be appreciated so much that they overextend themselves and then they start to feel burdened and resentful. And what happens when we feel burdened and resentful or even angry because somebody doesn't appreciate something that you're doing for them, what ends up happening is that your emotions become so turbulent that you can't notice what Oprah Winfrey calls that still small voice of intuition. It's like a body of water, like a lake. I mean, if it's really, really calm and glassy, you can drop a little teeny pebble in it and notice the ripples. But if it's turbulent, you could throw the Empire State Building into it and you would never notice the ripples. So you always have to figure out when you're making a choice to choose to do something for someone else, to take on their goal as yours, that it's either something that you would really enjoy doing and therefore you'll keep yourself in that happy emotional state that's calm or you have to learn how to elegantly say no this is not mine to do and maybe use intuition as a guide to give them some advice on who else might be better suited to help them and i describe that in the gratitude formula i give some examples of three questions you should ask yourself when deciding whether or not to take on somebody else's goal accidentally taking on other people's goals can be really easy to fall into A lot of people assume that this only really happens to people with controlling parents who always have pressured their kid to become a doctor or something like that. But taking on the pressures of society counts also. Doing something for just the money can even be a form of this because money's how society shows value. But as we've talked about time and time again, where you find your joy is your signal that this is what your purpose is. This is where you can make the biggest impact in your life. So it can be really helpful to check in with yourself as often as possible and make sure that you feel that spark of joy in your heart when you think about your goal. Don't confuse this with the results of your goal, like the car you'll drive and the money you'll make. But when you think about who you'll be and what you'll be known for and the impact you'll be making, because that's how you'll know you're on the right track. The fourth step is to recognize that your brain loves you and it wants to protect you. And I mentioned that earlier in our conversation, that sometimes our brain can go ahead and put spirit on mute, can put the CSO's messages on mute so we don't recognize them until we shift our beliefs into possibility. So the way to do that is to just love your brain and thank it so much for protecting you and to use repetition and making what you want familiar and welcome so that your brain recognizes that you're going to be okay and you're not at risk and it's okay to let those intuitive messages come through. And then the fifth step is to be patient when waiting for leads. We talked a little bit about how our society has moved to wanting instant gratification. We are more impatient than we've ever been as a society. Everything that we want, anything that we want, we can immediately have 24 seven. 
And that wasn't always the case. And what we have to do is develop some patience and trust that there's a divine right timing for everything and that you will get the leads that you need to take the steps that you need to take in order to achieve your goals. This is another great reminder of the importance of mindfulness in everything that we do. I've talked to a lot of people who say they struggle with mindfulness, thinking that it's all about meditating for long stretches of time. But break down the word, mindfulness. It's really just about bringing your mind or thought into what you do and realizing that your health, your body, your brain is all your responsibility. As this planet evolves, as technology evolves, a lot of really cool things are going to happen. And sometimes the upsides of these things will make the downsides harder to see. So whenever you create a new pattern in your life, stop and consider how you're training your brain or how you're training your body. It doesn't mean that you can't partake or that you have to be against the progress. It just means that maybe counteracting it with something is the best thing for you. And sometimes even just the awareness of it is enough. Number six, be disciplined in using your success system, even when there's a pull back to an old way of life. I have a friend that I write about in my book named Alex, and, you know, he was the runt of his family. He um, was always put down by everybody in his family, and every time he'd have a job or go to school, he'd get bullied. And, and so finally, he got really, really good at becoming invisible and doing just enough to keep his job. And he took a class from me and decided that what he really wanted to do was to have a voice and to be powerful and successful and and make more money and to be a real contributor to his company. And as he was writing out his goal statements every day and making what he wanted familiar and welcome, he started having real innovative ideas and speaking up in meetings and it completely backfired on him. Everybody at work seemed to hate him for not being the normal, quiet, invisible guy that he used to be. And finally, he was getting to the point where he was just going to give up and go back to being invisible. His boss told him there was no room for promotion. I mean, all sorts of just awful things. And as he was riding home on the bus one day, he noticed this sign for a company. It kind of sparkled and shimmered and and he noticed it and thought, well, that's interesting. And then a few weeks later, after everything at his real job was just turning into a disaster, and he he was ready to give up on his goal. His bus broke down and he got off and he started walking and he felt a pull to go into that company. Had a conversation with the receptionist about what they do and somebody came out from the back room to talk to the receptionist and he was the manager of the company. And he started asking Alex about what he did for work and they had a long conversation and eventually uh, he said, well, would you like to apply for a position that we have open? Alex then got a new job, was able to become the guy that he wanted to be, made more money, had room for promotion, and his life was way better. So even when there's a pull to pull you back to that old self, have patience and continue with the practice because something is brewing. And it might not look like it at the time, but something is working for your higher and greater good. I'm so glad you brought this up because I can totally relate. I have a gratitude practice and I track my wins every day so that I'm always focused on all the good things. So I notice when I'm on fire and sometimes when I really get going and there's all this positive momentum, all of a sudden I'll feel this really strong urge to sleep in, sleep in my morning routine, eat chocolate for breakfast and Netflix and chill all day. 
Of course, we all deserve a break sometimes, but there's a difference between rewarding yourself and self-sabotaging. And I feel like it's like my ego self or old lower version of me holding on for dear life, afraid I'm going to kill her off. Yeah, one of my very favorite quotes from that same teacher, Florence Scovel Shin, has to do with when everything seems to be going wrong. She talks about that when things are going wrong, things are actually going right. And that we need to just persevere and have patience and allow our divine plan for our life to unfold. And so she uh, she says that all of these, I think she calls it the derelicts of the ages and these terrible habits and fears and things like that are rising to the surface to be put out forever. And that's always a great image for me that when things seem to be going wrong and it seems to be really painful, that there is some good in this and it will turn out to be well, it will turn out to be for my higher and greater good. And repeating that over and over and over again, even in the midst of what Catherine Ponder calls chemicalization, she says that that pull back to our old self is not just a emotional thing, but that there's something chemical going on in our body that's trying to pull us back to that place that's familiar. It may not be where we want to be, but it's familiar and we know how to cope there. That makes sense. It's like our ego's final fight before we burn it alive. (laughs) Exactly. And then finally, the seventh step in the gratitude formula is to discover your purpose, the why that you're here to do what you do. When you live from a place of purpose, what ends up happening is everything starts to fall into alignment. I mean, if you look up purpose statements from Jack Canfield, Earl Nightingale, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, so many really famous and successful people. Dr. Wayne Dyer, he said, you know, when he chased after money, he never had enough. But when he started to live his life on purpose to giving of himself, the money just flowed in without any struggle. It was easy. When you live from purpose, everything else lines up in your life to help you to achieve what you want to achieve. And you get to be happier and more present at all times. I remember learning my purpose when I was about 12, which was to bless others and be blessed. And every business I've ever had has had a purpose statement. And in fact, some validation just happened about three years ago. In 2015, Ernst & Young did a study and it was published in the Harvard Business Review. And what they learned after surveying almost 500 major corporate CEOs is that those that had clearly defined purpose statements, the why that their company exists, tended to be more profitable than those that didn't. And just as an example of a purpose statement, we all know what the Kellogg's company does, right? They manufacture and distribute food products. But they say that the purpose of their company, the why that they exist, is to nourish families so they can flourish and thrive. You see how that's so different than what they do? Imagine being an employee and going to work for a company that nourishes families so they can flourish and thrive rather than a company that manufactures food products. You'd be more motivated and engaged. Consequently, if all stakeholders are more motivated and engaged, the company will tend to be more successful and profitable. 
And that makes sense because if you have a clearly defined purpose, then other people have a better understanding about what they're working towards and they can feel into it also. And then your employees can all band together forming this collective consciousness or collective drive for one single goal, which creates a stronger force. It's what makes group intention so powerful or prayer if that's in your practice. Exactly. You mentioned that you found your purpose at such a young age and then just went for it. How did you do that? It's one of the most common questions I get from my listeners. I even did an IGTV video last week sharing the specific exercises I did that led to my aha moment of my purpose, which was the creation of this podcast. For anyone interested in that, you can find it on Instagram at mindlovepodcast, by the way. But I'm curious how you figured this out so early because I didn't find mine until I was 32. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't really call it purpose then at 12. But what I ask people to do when they're discovering their purpose, and this is outlined in my book too, the gratitude formula, a little exercise people can do. But really what you want to do is ask yourself three questions. The first question is, what did I used to do when I was a little kid where I'd lose hours and hours having fun? Just I just lose hours having fun. The second question is, what have other people told me I'm good at doing? And then the third question is, what do I think I'm really good at doing and that I love to do? Listeners, for those of you that are still working on finding your purpose, I created a worksheet with these three questions that you can download for free on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash 036. When you answer all three of those questions, you start to see some common themes and common phrases that'll come up. And when I was a little kid, I used to absolutely love, 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 love to write stories. And then my friends and I would put on these little plays in, we had carports because I was raised in Hawaii. So we would hang sheets as our curtains and create these simple little sets. And we'd have a story and we'd all have parts and have costumes. And we'd make all of the parents and other kids on the street bring their own chair and they'd line up in the driveway for our production. And we'd sell concessions and drinks and popcorn and things like that. And what I loved doing was not only telling a story, but I loved helping all my friends be successful in their parts. And I loved making money by bringing joy and satisfaction and fun and entertainment to the audience. I used to lose hours and hours and hours doing that when I was a kid. I mean, as soon as we were done with one production, we'd get ready and put another one on. So I found that what I love to do is help people be successful. And I love to tell a story to take really complicated ideas and make them really simple to understand. And then what other people have told me that I'm good at doing, especially in business, is the same thing. Taking complicated ideas and making them really simple and easy to understand and to implement into their businesses or their lives. And what do I think I'm good at? Same thing. Same thing. So I love helping people be successful and I love being successful. I love to bless others and to be blessed. I love to elevate prosperity and freedom for all and to be elevated in prosperity and freedom myself. So that's kind of how I arrived at it was just figuring out what do I love to do? What could I spend hours and hours and hours doing as a little kid and just love to do? I have a friend of mine 
who now is a CIO. And what he used to do when he was a kid was take apart all sorts of different electronics and stuff like that. I have a friend who's a plumber that used to do the same thing. And he would take apart electronics and put them back together. And he would follow around all the contractors at his house and learn how to do everything. And he loved getting mom and dad's praise. And as it turned out, when he was older, he realized that what his purpose was, was to help make people's lives easier by understanding complicated issues and helping to find solutions. I pretty much asked myself those same questions when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. In the IGTV video I mentioned outlining how I found my purpose, one of the steps I took was emailing people that knew me in different areas of life, old roommates, old coworkers, my mom, my husband, people I've helped out, and I asked them what my superpower is. And one of the things that stood out was that I'm good at bringing information from a lot of sources and bringing it together in a way that people can relate to. This was a huge part of the inspiration for starting Mind Love. And honestly, since starting it, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And also things are just happening for me now. Like life seems easier. I love that. Well, see, you proved what all of these other famous people have said. And that is that when we're living from purpose... When we're really living our purpose, the why that we're here, that everything else tends to fall into place and we become more successful and prosperous. You touched on anger, jealousy, and resentment when we were going over the steps of the gratitude formula. Those are just such hard emotions to get over sometimes. I know that there are times that I even get down on myself when I feel those things, like I thought I'm past this. Then I can even get discouraged and doubt my own growth and it starts this cycle. So do you have any tips for finding forgiveness in these situations? Oh, sure. There's a couple of things. First of all, as part of the daily practice that I write about in my books. So I've given you seven steps within the gratitude formula. And the first step is to have a daily practice. And, you know, pretty much can be any daily practice that you choose to have. But the one that I recommend, um, the evening step seven of the practice is all about giving forth. So right before you go to sleep, you say, you know, thank you for whatever comes to mind that has happened during the day that you're grateful for. Like, thank you so much for the parking spaces I got in front so I didn't have to get wet in the Seattle rain or you know, thank you for the opportunity to meet terrific new customers or, or to have a wonderful time at my yoga class. Whatever comes to mind, you don't have to look at any notes, but say two or three things that you're grateful for. The second part of step seven is to recite a giving forth prayer. And it goes like this. CSO, if there's anyone from my past or present that I need to forgive, whether I remember them or not, I now do so. I love them, I bless them, I forgive them, and release them into your care for you to work in and through them whatever way is best. And if there's anyone from my past or present that needs to forgive me, including myself, they now do so, and we are free. So if you recite that every single night, you don't even have to believe the words. It just works. I want you to think of yourself as a full bottle of water. If you want to receive more of the good things that you want in life, can you fit any more into a full bottle of water? You can't. You got to pour some out. So this giving forth prayer gets rid of anything within you that's not serving you and puts it over here on the side. You still own it, 
but you've removed it from you and put it over here on the side so that you have room to receive the good stuff that you want. Now, if that pile needs some additional attention, you'll be guided to take some steps. But for the most part, what I find is that as people start to receive more of what they want in life, much of that pile just seems to disintegrate and go away on its own. So you're removing from you with this uh, giving forth prayer anything that's taking up room that's not serving you. You don't even have to believe it. It still works. It's not condoning other people's behavior. There are some people that have done some really, really awful things. There have been some very unjust and awful situations that have occurred in our past. This is not condoning their behavior. But this is a goal attainment practice because I really love people. I love that they have the power to create what they want. And so this is a tool to remove anything that's taking up room that could be replaced with what they want. Now, what happens during the middle of the day if somebody does something that just pisses you off? You can recite a forgiveness mantra, and it goes like this. I bless you, I forgive you, I release you. I bless you, I forgive you, I release you. That's it. You say that over and over and over and over again until you get yourself back to a calm place. If you're saying something out loud, you cannot be thinking something contrary to that at exactly the same time. The spoken word will always, always win out. So you need to use your words to pull your attention away from that which is upsetting you. Because as you know, whatever you're putting your attention on will grow bigger. It will manifest. So you need to shift your attention with your spoken word away from what you're upset about. I love that. It's funny because saying something you don't believe yet totally feels weird at first. It feels fake. But like you said, if we're constantly putting these new, more positive thoughts into our head, we can't be thinking about something negative. But here's the power in that. And I just did a video on Instagram on this as well. Our brain spends 70% of its time replaying old scenario conversations. Think about that. 70% of its time. That's almost three quarters of the time. So if we don't bring awareness to this, that's 70% of our brain power working against us, cementing in negative thought patterns. But if we keep feeding it positive thoughts and affirmations and love, then if we stick with it, after time, that's what our brain will start replaying in our subconscious. And then suddenly we realize we're a different person. We've become those things that we were feeding into our thoughts. Right. You need to have patience too, because that first day, depending upon what somebody else has done or what the situation is, you may feel so upset that it's going to take you 5,000 times of saying, I bless you, I forgive you, I release you that first day. But the next day, you're only going to have to say it 4,990. <laughs> and the next day, it'll be less and less. I have a friend of mine who owns a business and she came in just irate. I was doing a multi-week class and she came in just pissed off. And she said that darn forgiveness prayer has just ruined my life. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said that there was an employee that had worked with her 
for, you know, many, many years before. And he did a tremendous amount of damage, pissed off a lot of customers, a bunch of customers left. And then he quit without even apologizing. And he just sent her an email congratulating her on an award that she got. And all of this anger and resentment and just vile ended up flooding back to her. She said that she had thought she had done all her forgiveness work and clearly forgiveness work is never done. It's just a process. So I gave her the forgiveness mantra and after about, you know, several days of of saying it thousands of times a day, every time she thought of this guy, she had this thought, wow, I wonder what his life has been like. So she Googled him and found out that his job history was one year or less at job after job after job after job. And for people that hire employees, that's a huge red flag. This guy has not been settled. He has not uh, had a very good life. And uh, she started thinking, I wonder if he was trying to make amends. I mean, she didn't want to talk to him, did not want him in her life at all. But she kept up with the, I bless you, I forgive you, I release you, and at least had that thought and started to have a little bit of compassion. Well, several days later, she recognized that it was at the end of the workday, and it was the first time she thought of him. And he had safe passage through her brain. She didn't feel any emotion at all in thinking about him. The very next day, she got a call from one of the customers that had canceled during the time that this guy had done so much damage. And they wanted to re-engage with her company and give her a $10,000 advance for work that hadn't been done yet. That never happens in her industry. That has never happened in the over 15 years of owning her business. In her business, you do work and then you get paid 30 to 60 days later. No one pays in advance. To her, this was a miracle. Would she have gotten that $10,000 contract anyway? Maybe, maybe. But it's my position that if you're filled up, if you're filled up with a whole bunch of negative emotion, there's no room for you to receive anything more that's good. So you've got to use forgiveness tools in order to get yourself back to a calm place and to make room to receive more of what you want. That's such a cool example. You've had so many amazing tips today. And it's great because all of these tips are tips that have been given by the world's most successful people over and over again. So I love that you've put it into an easy to follow formula that we can all follow step by step for success in our lives and our businesses. For listeners that are interested in learning more about you and the gratitude formula, where can they find you online? Well, for your listeners, if they want to take a look at both of the books, I have three chapters of each book available for free at maymccarthy.com. So they can just take a test drive and see if they like it. And if they do, it's available from all sorts of online retailers. There's also a whole bunch of videos and other information that's free that's available on my website as well. For all of the links mentioned in this episode and the worksheet to help you find your purpose, go to mindlove.com slash 036. If you found this episode helpful, don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. I've been so overwhelmed with all of the love and support you guys have been showing me. And as Mind Love grows, we're getting such amazing guests that want to come on the show. So I have some really exciting people planned for you guys. Also, if you are liking the show, please take a moment to leave a review or a comment on CastBox or share it with your friends. 
the bigger the mind love movement grows, the better the content. So help me help you. I've got a few things for you to keep your vibes up between episodes. You can sign up for the daily inspirational email I mentioned at the beginning, or you can follow mind love podcast on Instagram. I've been doing live videos and IGTV videos. I've been diving deeper into some of the topics with things that you can't find in the episodes. Plus, soon I'm going to be launching some really awesome contests and prizes that you don't want to miss. So make sure you get in on that at Mind Love Podcast on Instagram. And last, since this episode really focused on entrepreneurs and those with a business-driven heart, I think you guys might love this really awesome show, Rocketship.fm, that's launching its fifth season. They spent three months recording with and profiling three entrepreneurs. They're working towards a two-month goal, and you get to follow along each week as they work through roadblocks and business struggles and personal struggles. It's just really cool. So Rocketship.fm is definitely worth checking out. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.